turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, We're continuing our way through this letter written by the Apostle Paul. And today we find ourselves in in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Last week we, we talked about how Paul wants Timothy to begin to confront false teaching. But then today, as we look at verse 6, we're going to explore the training and godliness that Paul wants Timothy to engage in. And so if you don't have your Bible with you, this is on in your bulletin. There are Bibles on the table if you want to grab one of those. But again, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have set hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, We have our hope set on you, Father, the living God. We we have our hope set on you even as we study your word. Father, we are limited. Our understanding is limited. Our minds are limited. We are so prone to bring our own perspective, to want to import our ideas into your word. But Lord, we pray that we can export your ideas from your word Uh, that we can see what you have here for us, that we would see its value, its relevance, its power, that you would change us through your word that is living and active. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps some of you have had the experience of seeking out a personal trainer to help you develop fitness Uh, Through my wife, I actually have a membership at Mainline Health and Fitness. She teaches um, Pilates there. Now she subs Pilates there. And Mainline has these health evaluations where you can meet with a personal trainer from time to time, just built into your membership. And it's an opportunity for them to kind of measure where you are in your fitness. And uh, they check your flexibility and your strength. Uh, And then they help you set up a plan for training and for working out. And one of the last times that I met with one of the the trainers, they said, what are your fitness goals? And it kind of stumped me a little bit uh, because most of my fitness goals were negative in in the sense of I don't want to waste away as I age. I don't want to have back pain. I want to stay basically healthy as I grow older in life. Uh, and so it wasn't some sort of ambitious, I want to run a, mountain, uh, run a marathon or 
climb a big mountain somewhere around the world, uh, that it, it, was, it was pretty basic. But then I, I was realizing as we were talking, I thought, well, maybe that's part of my problem sometimes is my actual goal is pretty vague. It, it doesn't motivate that much because it, often our goals are important. And it's that way for working out, for physical fitness, but it's true spiritually as well as we think of spiritual fitness. And so the, the first question that we can ask then is, what is our spiritual goal in this life? Because is our spiritual goal just to maintain our current spiritual health? Is our spiritual goal just not to waste away spiritually is it to not have spiritual back pain or is our spiritual goal something bigger, some kind of a spiritual marathon, a spiritual Mount Everest? What is our spiritual goal? And as you look at our text, look at verse six in your Bible, Paul is offering this spiritual goal to Timothy, this goal that he wants him to pursue. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, in other words, if you teach the content of this letter to the brothers in the church that he was pastoring in the Greek city of Ephesus, he says, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained, or some translations say being nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. And so you could say that the essence then of his goal the goal that Paul wants Timothy to pursue is being a good servant of Christ Jesus. And of course, for him, that means being a good minister of the gospel because he was serving as a pastor. But we can think about that, that goal to become a good servant. He wants him to be trained in the word of faith, to be nourished in the word of God that he had followed. And this should be our goal as well, that our goal should be to, to be good servants of Christ Jesus, to, to be people who are trained and, and nourished and strengthened in the word of God. And I mentioned to, to Sharon this morning in the text that as, as I was thinking about what does it look like, what does somebody look like who is nourished as a good servant of Christ Jesus, pursuing that goal. I mean, I, I think of Herb for sure as uh, our you know, late brother in Christ as somebody who, who was just so, so faithful. And, and it was evident as somebody who had pastored a church for so long in Philadelphia that he was a person nourished in the word of God, trained in the good faith that he had followed. And it was so evident in the way that he loved, the way that he cared for people, the way that he would interact with people in his life, that he was somebody who ran the race set before him with endurance, looking to Christ as the author and perfecter of his faith, as we read in Hebrews chapter 12. And so that is the, the picture, to, to pursue this goal of being a good servant, to love God, to love his people, to love his church. And so the question is, do we want to pursue that goal as well? Do we want to be good servants? Do we want to run the race that is set before us? Do we want to, to be faithful? And if you do have that desire to be a good servant of Christ Jesus, then naturally it raises another question. So we were saying, what is the goal? The goal is to be a good servant of Christ Jesus. 
But then the next question we need to ask is, how do we go about pursuing that spiritual goal? How do we pursue this spiritual goal? Because we know that even when we think of fitness goals, it's easy to make fitness goals. They're important, but every January, countless people around the world make fitness goals for the next year that last about two weeks and then they fall away, that it's easy to have goals. But often then we don't know how to go about pursuing those goals. We want to get in shape, but we don't know how. We don't have a, a plan or we want to eat better, but we don't know how, we don't have a plan, or we want to be more organized or more disciplined, but we don't know how to do it. And it's the same spiritually, that we may have the goal of being good servants of Christ Jesus, nourished and trained in the Word of God, but then we don't know how to pursue those goals. And that's what Paul begins to show Timothy here in our text. And so as you look at verse 7 in your Bible, you see this first way that he wants him to be trained, that he wants him, we could say, to stop eating spiritual junk food. Look again there, verse 7. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. The NASB translates it like this, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. Or the King James translates the original uh, perf uh, to reject profane and old wives' fables. The NLT says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. And all of those capture the idea of what is being communicated in the original language here, that this is a, a negative command from the Apostle Paul, that, that he's, he's telling Timothy to to stop taking in certain types of information that aren't going to be helpful in this pursuit of this spiritual goal. And of course, this is very similar to the pursuit of physical health goals as well. That when you go to that personal trainer at the gym, the first thing they may tell you is what not to do. Stop eating junk food. Stop eating so many carbs. Stop taking things into your body that will not help you as you try to lift weights or exercise or run more. That, that what you are taking into your body matters as you pursue this goal. And of course, it's the same spiritually as well, that what we take into our lives, into our hearts, matters as we try to pursue the goal of being good servants of Christ Jesus. And you say, well, what does this look like today? And I, I, I never missed an opportunity to pick on social media. Uh, it's not that all social media is wrong, but social media brings us into a feast of irreverent and silly myths. That it, it's a place where we can gorge our minds and our hearts on spiritual candy, uh, intellectual candy, that it can feel good, it can be very satisfying in the moment, but if what we're doing is feeding on a regular diet of social media posts brought to you by impersonal algorithms, that eventually it will have dire consequences for your mind, for your heart, for your walk with the Lord. And it could be the same way with even news media. Where there's nothing wrong with news media, we need to be well-informed citizens. But we can gorge ourselves on outrage 
through social media and through news media. So often political commentary can have helpful elements, but if that is what we're feeding on constantly, it's going to have negative effects as we try to pursue the Lord because what we're taking into us is what's going to come out of us and is what we're taking into our lives and our hearts what will actually help us grow and pursue the goal of being good servants of Christ Jesus. So again, we say, well, how do we pursue this goal? And the first thing is that we stop eating this spiritual junk food. But then the second aspect of it, the second way that we pursue this is that we begin a spiritual bodybuilding program. You could say a spiritual bodybuilding program. So look again at verse 7. Paul says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. So again, keep away from the spiritual junk food, from the conspiracy theories, from the false ideas, from the things that aren't going to benefit you. And he says, rather, train yourself for godliness. Begin this training program to bulk up spiritually, to be well-trained, well-nourished in the, the word of faith. And in theological language, this is what is called progressive sanctification. Because when we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus, we're declared righteous in the sight of God. Uh, we are brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, adopted into the family of God. But then it's not that we are perfected perfectly in our life immediately, that, that God begins this gradual work of growing us more and more into the image of Christ, of, of sanctifying us, of strengthening us. And God has given us what are called means of grace, or, or sometimes even theologians will call them means of sanctification. He's given us means of spiritual bodybuilding to strengthen our faith, to help us, in a sense we could say, work out spiritually so that we can go grow stronger in our walk with the Lord. And you might say, well, what are some of those means of spiritual bodybuilding? And the, the first that we could mention is Sabbath keeping. We, we I preached on the idea of the Sabbath uh, a few years ago here at Hope. But, you know, in the Ten Commandments, the summary of the moral law, the Fourth Commandment says that, that God set up this pattern of, of work and rest, that he says, work six days and rest on the seventh day. And that, that pattern, it says, is, is rooted in the, the order of creation itself, that God created the world in six days, rested on the seventh day, not because he needed rest himself, but because he was setting up a pattern for us. And so the idea is that, that in this regular pattern of work and rest, that we actually set aside time to, to not be engaged in our normal work, normal recreation, but actually to be worshiping the Lord together to set aside time to studying, to grow in our knowledge of God. And of course, Christians have different views of the Sabbath. I'm sure there are many different views of this here. But we know that if you're trying to get more fit in your body, if you're trying to, to start a new habit of working out, that one of the first steps is what time are you going to block out in your schedule to actually pursue that goal? That if you have a goal of growing in physical strength, but you're not actually blocking out time to pursue that goal, it's not going to happen. And so quite often, I think, for believers, 
the, the first starting place of blocking out time to grow in our walk with the Lord is to say, I'm going to set aside one day out of seven, um, six to pursue the other things that I have in life. But here's a day that I'm going to set aside to worship, to go to church, to hear the word preached and, and trust that using this means will actually help me grow to train myself in godliness. So that's the first, we could say, means of spiritual bodybuilding. But another one that flows out of that is the word of God, the, the scriptures, because God has given us the scriptures to strengthen us. That's why we'll see uh, next week at the end of this chapter in 1 Timothy that Paul encourages Timothy to read the word of God, to teach the word of God, to study the word of God. Because as we study the word of God, it strengthens us spiritually. It helps us pursue the goal of being good servants of Christ Jesus. So that could mean reading the Bible through in a year. It could mean memorizing passages of scripture. It could mean taking a passage and really honing in and reading it and studying it and praying through it and asking God to apply it to your life. But then especially it's the preaching of the word, what, what we're doing right now in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that is one of the doctrinal statements for our church, it talks about the means of grace, and it says that, that one of the means of grace is the Word of God. It says the reading, the study of the Word, but especially the preaching of the Word, that on a weekly basis as we gather together, we're hearing the Word, and then we're, we're not just leaving it at church, but we're thinking about how can we apply these things to our life? How can we see that brought to bear in the next week? And we're, we're thinking about it, we're praying through it, we're reading ahead of what will be preached in the future that we can glean this benefit from the word of God. And so again, we talked about setting aside time, Sabbath keeping, the word of God. But another means that God has given us for this spiritual bodybuilding is prayer. That we dedicate ourselves to prayer alone, prayer with others, prayer with our family, prayer together in the assembly of God's people, prayer in small groups, and, and that God uses prayer as a means to strengthen us, to encourage us, to help us run with endurance, to be good servants, faithful servants of Christ Jesus. That's another means. Another means we could talk about of this spiritual body building is the sacraments. And here at Hope, we celebrate the Lord's Supper weekly. You can think about the sacrament of baptism. These aren't things that save us, but these are means that God has given us to strengthen us, that without them, we would be weaker. That's why Christ gave them to us as a gift. That's part of the reason that gathering together as a church is so important, because God uses these things in a powerful way to grow us as we follow Christ. So that is another means. But here's the, the last means of spiritual growth, of the spiritual bodybuilding that I'll talk about this morning, and it's Christian fellowship. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we gather, and it's partly the, the fellowship, the community of the Christian faith that encourages us to continue to grow in our walk with Christ. And this is a place where there's another analogy with working out physically. Um, I have friends who struggled with their weight or struggled to exercise, but then they got involved in an exercise program that wasn't just going to an individual personal trainer, but something that had a community aspect built into it. So I know people who've gotten involved in CrossFit 
So every morning they go early in the morning and they're, they're working out, they're taking it seriously. And they, I, when I talk to those people, it's not just the, the trainers that make a difference, but it's actually the people along with, with them, the people who are training with them that make a difference because there is accountability. They're seeing what it looks like in others. They're seeing the struggles of others. They're, they're being encouraged by others. Why weren't you here yesterday? How are you doing? It's, and it's similar in our pursuit of Christ as we're seeking to grow spiritually that we need the fellowship of believers if we're going to grow. So again, this is how we begin to go about training for godliness. This is how we go about pursuing the goal of being good servants of Christ. But of course, if you've ever tried to grow in physical strength, we said it's easy to set goals. It's a little harder to set up a plan, but then it's hard ultimately to execute that plan. That is, you start to try to to work out, there'll be days that you're tired, that you don't want to get out of bed. And so we always face the question of how do you stay motivated to pursue that goal of physical exercise? And so people facing the question, how, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And the more clear somebody is on the why, the easier it will be to pursue that goal of training. And that's exactly what we see here spiritually. We can ask, why do we pursue this goal of being good servants of Christ? Paul tells us the reason in verse 8. Look there in your Bible. He says, for, because... While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the, for the present life and also for the life to come. And so Paul is saying, yes, physical exercise is valuable. We're not Gnostics who deny the importance of the physical human body. He says it, is, it has some value to train your body physically. But he says that it's only for a limited duration. I mean, you know how that is, that if you've ever had a time in your life when you were really fit, it only takes a couple weeks, it feels like, of not exercising before you were back to where you were originally, that, that the effects fade very quickly. But then also the, the, the effects of our physical exercise only really has benefit for this life. But Paul is saying that training in godliness has value for, for now because we can grow in hope and peace and strength and ability to love and to serve, to face suffering, that it's valuable now. But he says it's also valuable for the life to come, that there's eternal value here, that, that growing in, in godliness is something that will survive, it'll last beyond this life, that it will value for here and the life to come. And I think that this is where we often get turned around in our own lives quite often. Uh, for a little while, I was waking up early to go to the gym uh, before six or like around five. I'm not doing that now, full disclosure. I should probably do that. Um, but I was always struck by how many people were there working out at 530 in the morning. And it was always the same people who were always there. And I, and I remember even at the time thinking about gym memberships are expensive unless you ha your wife is... Or, teaches Pilates at the gym, you get a discount. Uh, but, but would people pay money to go to church and then go to church for an hour every morning at 5.30? <laughs> and I thought, probably not. I, I, I mean, if you look at the statistics of church attendance, 
most professed believers don't go to church that often. That if anything else comes up, it's one of the first things that goes from the schedule. And so it's not then that we cancel our gym memberships and only spend our mornings in, in prayer, but we can think about our priorities. Why is it that people are so quick to prioritize their physical health? Because they see the importance of it. But then do we see the importance, the eternal value of our spiritual health? Are we prioritizing time of worship? Are we prioritizing time in the word, time in prayer, the importance of celebrating the sacraments together, the importance of Christian fellowship? Does this have a place of priority in our lives as something that has value not only today, but also for the life to come. This is what will have eternal significance. And so is it a priority in our life? And the more we see the eternal value of it, the more it will keep us motivated in the pursuit of the goal. But then as we wrap up today, here's the, the final question then we can ask ourselves as we consider this spiritual goal, this spiritual training who is ready to pursue this spiritual goal? Who is ready for it? Because if you go to the gym and you meet with the personal trainer, one thing that they will do most likely is go through a list of questions. Have you ever had surgery? Or do you have any injuries? Or does, does your body hurt in any way? And part of what they're trying to determine is what kind of a training program are you ready for? That if you have a severe back issue, then heavy weightlifting may not actually do any good for you. It may actually do profound harm. That if you enter into a training program for which you're not ready, it can actually do more harm than good. And that's how we can think about our lives spiritually as well. That we have this goal, but who is ready to pursue it? And this is what Paul touches on in these final verses of our text today, verses 9 to 10. So look there in your Bible. Verse 9, he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. We don't know if this is what he just said or what he's about to say. But then he says, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Now, right off the bat, people say, well, is this teaching that all people are saved? Because it says he is the Savior of all people. Is, he, is this universal salvation, but then maybe a little bit more for people who believe? And what most of the commentaries will point out as you compare Scripture against Scripture is that I think what Paul is, is saying is he's saying that, that the living God is the Savior of all people, but then let's define that all people. Is that all people, of all people, namely all people who believe, all people who put their trust, that he is the savior of those who trust in him for any who will repent and trust in Jesus. And so, so what he's showing there is who can begin this, this spiritual training program. That if you are someone who has not put your trust in Jesus Christ who has not set your hope on the living God, then what the Bible tells us is that to begin a, a program of spiritual training, to train yourself for godliness without that foundation, will be like lifting weights with a broken back. That it will actually be spiritually damaging because it, what it will lead to is the heart of a Pharisee. 
It will lead to legalism. It will lead to self-righteousness. It'll lead to the place of either failing in achieving that goal to the place where you get discouraged or to thinking that you're succeeding in the way that you are arrogant and prideful and looking down on other people. That's what happens when we start with ourselves and our own strength and ability. But when our starting place is complete dependence, what it says here that we're striving, we're contending, we're engaged in the struggle, but he says, for we have set our hope in the living God, that our hope is not in ourselves, that our hope is not in our own strength, our own ability, but we need a savior, that we need a savior who will rescue us from ourselves, who will rescue us from our sins, who will rescue those who turn to him in repentance and faith. That when we repent and trust in Jesus, we're declared righteous. We're adopted into the family of God. That we receive spiritual healing the moment we repent and trust in Christ. And what that does is it actually gets us in the starting place of spiritual health to begin the training program, to train ourselves for godliness, to train ourselves in something that has eternal value, that we don't do that in order to be accepted by God, but because we have this starting place of acceptance through Christ as our Savior, as the one who gave himself for us, that we can begin to work, to read our our Bible, to gather together as a response to this great grace of the living God our Savior who loved us and gave himself for us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for being the, the living God, that you're not the, the God of our own imagination. You are the God who lives, who was, who is to come. You are the, the great I am. Lord, you are the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. And Father, we set our hope on you, that our, our hope is, is transferred from our own strength, from our own goodness, from our own moral performance, uh, from our own willpower, from our own self-righteous attempts to work our way up to you. And Lord, we thank you that, that you are the Savior of all people, all those who set their trust in Christ, that um, that Christ died for those who will come to him in repentance and faith. And Lord, we thank you for that, that work, that decisive accomplishment of our faith, of our salvation that uh, was brought to bear on the cross as Jesus bore your wrath, Father, in our place and, and turned away your wrath so that we can be accepted and forgiven and brought into your family. Um, Father, we, we pray, though, that as we seek the goal of being good servants of Christ Jesus, that we would be servants who are, are trained, who are nourished. We pray that you would keep us away from silly myths, from conspiracy theories, from speculative ideas, from debates about issues that don't matter, but that you would take us into the very practical realm of training in godliness. And so, Father, we pray that, that as you work in Hope Church, that you would make us a spiritually fit church, that you would help us to be a church that is trained in godliness, because, Lord, we know that it has value for eternity. And, and Lord, we pray that, that this training would not lead to pride or to self-righteousness or for us to 
feel superior to anyone, but we pray that you would work humility in us as part of this, knowing that it all starts with Christ as the author and the perfecter of our faith, the great high priest. And so we look to him alone and pray in his name. Amen.